story thirty six of romance of california life by john haberton this librivox recording is in the public domain story thirty six sailing upstream the following is quoted by permission from mr haberton's popular book the barton experience published by g p putnam's son new york the superintendency of the mississippi valley woolen mills was a position which exactly suited fred macdonald and it gave him occasion for the expenditure of whatever superfluous energy he found himself possessed of yet it did not engross his entire attention the faculty which the busiest of young men have for finding time in which to present themselves well clothed and unbusinesslike to at least one young woman is as remarkable and admirable as it is inexplicable the evenings which did not find fred in parson wedgwell's parlour were few indeed and if when he was with esther he did not talk quite as sentimentally as he had done in the earlier days of his engagement and if he talked business very frequently the change did not seem distasteful to the lady herself for the business of which he talked was in the main a sort which loving women have for ages recognized as the inevitable and to which they have subjected themselves with a unanimity which deserves the gratitude of all humanity fred talked of a cottage which he might enter without first knocking at the door and of a partnership which should be unlimited if he learned in the course of successive conversations that even in partnerships of the most extreme order many compromises are absolutely necessary the lesson was one which improved his character in the ratio in which it abased his pride the cottage grew as rapidly as the mill and on his returns from various trips for machinery there came with fred's freight certain packages which prevented their owner from appearing so completely the absorbed business man which he flattered himself that he seemed then the partnership was formed one evening in parson wedgwell's own church in the presence of a host of witnesses fred appearing as self-satisfied and radiant as the gainer in such transactions always does while esther's noble face and drooping eyes showed beyond doubt who it was that was the giver as the weeks succeeded each other after the wedding however no acquaintance of the couple could wonder whether the gainer or the giver was the happier fred improved rapidly as the schoolboy improves but esther's graces were already of mature growth and rejoiced in their opportunity for development though she could not have explained how it happened she could not but notice that maidens regarded her wonderingly wives contemplated her wistfully frowns departed and smiles appeared when she approached people who were usually considered prosaic yet shadows sometimes stole over her face when she looked at certain of her old acquaintances and the cause thereof soon took a development which was anything but pleasing to her husband fred said esther one evening it makes me real unhappy sometimes to think of the good wives there are who are not as happy as i am i think of mrs mosier and mrs crame and the only reason that i can see is their husbands drink i guess you're right eddie said fred they didn't begin their domestic tyranny in advance as you did bless you for it but why don't their husbands stop asked esther too deeply interested in her subject 
to notice her husband's compliment they must see what they're doing and how cruel it all is they're too far gone to stop i suppose that's the reason said fred it hasn't been easy work for me to keep my promise eddie and i'm a young man mosier and crame are middle-aged men and liquor is simply necessary to them that dreadful old bunley wasn't too old to reform it seems said esther fred i believe one reason is that no one has asked them to stop see how good harry wainwright has been since he found that so many people were interested in him that day yes drawled fred evidently with a suspicion of what was coming and trying to change the subject by suddenly burying himself in his memorandum book but this ruse did not succeed for esther crossed the room to where fred sat placed her hands on his shoulders and a kiss on his forehead and exclaimed fred you're the proper person to reform those two men oh eddie groaned fred you're entirely mistaken why they laugh right in my face if they didn't get angry and knock me down reformers want to be older men better men men like your father for instance if people are to listen to them father says they need to be men who understand the nature of those they are talking to replied esther and you once told me that you understood mosher and crane perfectly but just think of what they are eddie pleaded fred mosher is a contractor and crane's a steamboat captain such men never reform though they always are good fellows why if i were to speak to either of them on the subject they'd laugh in my face or curse me the only way i was able to make peace with them for stopping drinking myself was to say that i did it to please my wife did they accept that as sufficient excuse asked esther yes said fred reluctantly and biting his lips over this slip of tongue then you've set them a good example and i can't believe its effect will be lost said esther i sincerely hope it won't said fred very willing to seem a reformer at heart nobody would be gladder than i to see those fellows with wives as happy as mine seems to be then why don't you follow it up fred dear and make sure of your hopes being realized you can't imagine how much happier i would be if i could meet those dear women without feeling that i had to hide the joy that's so hard to keep to myself the conversation continued with considerable strain to fred's amiability but his sophistry was no match for his wife's earnestness and he was finally compelled to promise that he would make an appeal to crame with whom he had a business engagement on the arrival of crame's boat the excellence before the whistles of the steamer were next heard however esther learned something of the sufferings of would-be reformers and found cause to wonder who was to endure most that mrs crame should have a sober husband for fred was alternately cross moody abstracted and inattentive and even sullenly remarked at his breakfast-table one morning that he shouldn't be sorry if the excellence were to blow up and leave mrs crame to find her happiness in widowhood but no such luck befell the lady the whistle signals of the excellence were again heard on the river and the nature of fred's business with the captain made it unadvisable for fred to make an excuse for leaving the boat unvisited it did seem to fred macdonald as if everything conspired to make his task as hard as it could possibly be 
crane was already under the influence of more liquor than was necessary to his well-being and the boat carried as passengers a couple of men who though professional gamblers crane found very jolly company when they were not engaged in their business calling besides captain crame was running against time with an opposition boat which had just been put upon the river and he appreciated the necessity of having the boat's bar well stocked and freely opened to whoever along the river was influential in making or marring the reputation of steamboats fred finally got the captain into his own room however and made a freight contract so absent-mindedly that the sagacious captain gained an immense advantage over him then he acted so awkwardly and looked so pale that the captain suggested chills and prescribed brandy fred smiled feebly and replied no thank you sam brandy's at the bottom of the trouble i uh here fred made a tremendous attempt to rally himself i want you to swear off sam the astonishment of captain crane was marked enough to be alarming at first then the ludicrous feature of fred's request struck him so forcibly that he burst into a laugh before whose greatness fred trembled and shrank well by thunder exclaimed the captain when he recovered his breath if that isn't the best thing i ever heard yet the idea of a steamboat captain swearing off his whiskey say fred don't you want me to join the church i forgot that you'd married a preacher's daughter or i wouldn't have been so puzzled over your white face to-day sam crane brought down to cold water wouldn't the boys along the river get up a sweet lot of names for me the cold water captain psalm singing sammy and then when an editor or any other visitor came aboard wouldn't i look the thing hauling out glasses and a pitcher of water say fred does your wife let you drink tea and coffee sam exclaimed fred springing to his feet if you don't stop slanting at my wife i'll knock you down good said the captain without exhibiting any signs of trepidation now you talk like yourself again i beg your pardon old fellow you know i was only joking but it is too funny you'll have to take a trip or two with me again though and be reformed not any said fred resuming his chair take your wife along and reform yourself look here now young man said the captain you're cracking on too much steam honestly fred i've kept a sharp eye on you for two or three months and i am right glad you can let whisky alone i've seen times when i wish i were in your boots but steamboats can't be run without liquor however it may be with woolen mills that's all nonsense said fred you get trade because you run your boat on time charge fair prices and deliver your freight in good order who gives you business because you drink and treat the captain being unable to recall any shipper of the class alluded to by fred changed his course tisn't so much that said he it's a question of reputation how would i feel to go ashore at pittsburgh or louisville or cincinnati and refuse to drink with anybody why twould ruin me it's different with you who don't have to meet anybody but religious old farmers besides you've just been married and you've been married for five years said fred with a sudden sense of help at hand how do you suppose your wife feels captain crane's jollity subsided a little but with only a little hesitation he replied oh she's used to it she doesn't mind 
you're the only person in town that thinks so sam said fred captain crame got up and paced his little stateroom two or three times with a face full of uncertainty at last he replied well between old friends fred i don't think so very strongly myself hang it i wish i'd been brought up a preacher or something of the kind so i wouldn't have had business ruining my chances of being the right sort of a family man emily don't like my drinking and i promised to look up some other business but tisn't easy to get out of steamboating when you've got a good boat and a first-rate trade once she felt so awfully about it that i did swear off don't tell anybody for god's sake but i did i had to look out for my character along the river though so i swore off on the sly and played sick i'd give my orders to the mates and clerks from my bed in here and then i'd lock myself in and read novels and the bible to keep from thinking twas awful dry work all around but whole hog or none is my style you know there was fun in it though to think o doing something that no other captain on the river ever did but thunder by the time night came i was so tired of loafing that i wrapped a blanket around my head and shoulders like a hoosier sneaked out the outer door here and walked the guards between towns but i was so frightened for fear some one would know me that the walk did me more harm than good and blue why a whole cargo of indigo would have looked like a snowstorm alongside of my feelings the second day pon my word fred i caught myself crying in the afternoon just before dark and i couldn't find out what for either i tell you i was scared and things got worse as time spun along the dreams i had that night made me howl and i felt worse yet when daylight came along again toward the next night i was just afraid to go to sleep so i made up my mind to get well go on duty and dodge everybody that it seemed i ought to drink with why the lord bless your soul the first time we shoved off from a town i walked up to the bar just as i always did after leaving towns the barkeeper set out my particular bottle naturally enough knowing nothing about my little game i poured my couple of fingers and dropped it down as innocent as a lamb before i knew what i was doing by george my boy twas like opening the lock gates i was just heavenly gay before morning there was one good thing about it though i never told emily i was going to swear off i was going to surprise her so i had the disappointment all to myself maybe she isn't as happy as your wife but whatever else i've done or not done i've never lied to her it's a pity you hadn't promised her then before you tried your experiment said fred the captain shook his head gravely and replied i guess not why i'd have either killed somebody or killed myself if i'd gone on a day or two longer i suppose i'd have got along better if i'd had anybody to keep me company or reason with me like a schoolmaster but i hadn't i didn't know anybody that i dared trust with a secret like that i hadn't reformed then huh queried fred you why you're one of the very fellows i dodged just as i got aboard the boat i came down late on purpose i saw you out aft i tell you i was under my blankets with a towel wrapped around my jaw in about one minute and was just a-praying that you hadn't seen me come aboard 
fred laughed but his laughter soon made place for a look of tender solicitude the unexpected turn that had been reached in the conversation he had so dreaded and the sympathy which had been awakened in him by crame's confidence and openness temporarily made of fred macdonald a man with whom fred himself had never before been acquainted a sudden idea struck him sam said he try it over again and i'll stay by you i'll nurse you crack jokes fight off the blues for you keep your friends away i'll even break your neck for you if you like seein it's you if it'll keep you straight will you though said the captain with a look of admiration undisguised except by wonder you're the first friend i ever had then by thunder how marrying eddie wedgwell did improve you fred but and the captain's face lengthened again there's a fellow's reputation to be considered and where'll mine be after it gets around that i've sworn off reputation be hanged exclaimed fred lose it for your wife's sake besides you'll make reputation instead of lose it you'll be as famous as the red river raft or the mammoth cave the only thing of the kind west of the alleghanies as for the boys tell them i've bet you a hundred that you can't stay off your liquor for a year and that you're not the man to take a dare that sounds like business exclaimed the captain springing to his feet let me drop a pledge said fred eagerly drawing pen and ink toward him no you don't my boy said the captain gently and pushing fred out of the room and upon the guards emily shall do that below there perkins i've got to go uptown for an hour see if you can't pick up freight to pay laying up expenses somehow fred go home and get your traps now's the accepted time as your father-in-law has dinged at me many a sunday from the pulpit as sam crane strode toward the body of the town his business instincts took strong hold of his sentiments in the manner natural alike to saints and sinners and he laid a plan of operations against whisky which was characterized by the apparent recklessness but actual prudence which makes for glory in steamboat captains as it does in army commanders as was his custom in business he first drove at full speed upon the greatest obstacles so it came to pass he burst into his own house threw his arms around his wife with more than ordinary tenderness and then looking into her eyes with a daring born of utter desperation said emily i came back to sign the strongest temperance pledge that you can possibly draw up fred macdonald wanted to write out one but i told him that nobody but you should do it you've earned the right to poor girl no such duty and surprise having ever before come hand in hand to mrs crane she acted as every true woman will imagine that she herself would have done under similar circumstances and this action made it not so easy as it might otherwise have been to see just where the pen and ink were or to prevent the precious document when completed from being disfigured by peculiar blots which were neither finger marks nor ink spots yet which in shape and size suggested both of these indications of unneatness mrs crame was not an adept at literary composition and being conscious of her own deficiency she begged that a verbal pledge might be substituted but her husband was firm a contract won't steer worth a cent unless it's in writing emily said he looking over his wife's shoulder as she wrote gracious girl you're making it too thin 
any greenhorn could sail right through that and all around it here let me have it and crame wrote dictating aloud to himself as he did so and the party of the first part hereby agrees to do everything else that the spirit of this agreement seems to the party of the second part to indicate or imply this he read over to his wife saying that's the way we fix contracts that aren't shipshape emily a steamboat couldn't be run in any other way then crame wrote at the foot of the paper sam crame captain steamer excellence surveyed the document with evident pride and handed it to his wife saying now you see you've got me so i can't ever get out of it by trying to make out that twas some other sam crame that you reformed oh husband said mrs crame throwing her arms about the captain's neck don't talk in that dreadful business way i'm too happy to bear it i want to go with you on this trip the captain shrank away from his wife's arms and a cold perspiration started all over him as he exclaimed oh don't little girl wait till next trip there's an unpleasant set of passengers aboard the barometer points to rainy weather so you'd have to stay in the cabin all the time our cook is sick and his cubs serve up the most infernal messes we're light of freight and have got to stop at every warehouse on the river and the old boat'll be either shrieking or bumping or blowing off steam the whole continual time mrs crane's happiness had been frightening some of her years away and her smile carried sam himself back to his premarital period as she said never mind the rest i see you don't want me to go and then she became mrs crame again as she said pressing her face closely to her husband's breast but i hope you won't get any freight anywhere so you can get home all the sooner then the captain called on dr white and announced such a collection of symptoms that the doctor grew alarmed insisted on absolute quiet and conveyed crame in his own carriage to the boat saw him into his berth and gave to fred macdonald a multitude of directions and cautions the sober recording of which upon paper was of great service in saving fred from suffering over the quixotic aspect which the whole project had begun in his mind to take on he felt ashamed even to look squarely into crame's eye and his mind was greatly relieved when the captain turned his face to the wall and exclaimed fred for goodness sake get out of here i feel enough like a baby now without having a nurse alongside i'll do well enough for a few hours just look in once in a while during the first day of the trip crame made no trouble for himself or fred under the friendly shelter of night the two men had a two-hour chat which was alternately humorous business-like and retrospective and then crane fell asleep the next day was reasonably pleasant out of doors so the captain wrapped himself in a blanket and sat in an extension chair on the guards where with solemn face he received some condolences which went far to keep him in good humour after the sympathizers had departed on the second night the captain was restless and the two men played cards on the third day the captain's physique reached the bottom of its stock of patience and protested indignantly at the withdrawal of its customary stimulus and it acted with more consistency though no less ugliness than the human mind does when under excitement and destitute of control 
the captain grew terribly despondent and fred found ample use for all the good stories he knew some of these amused the captain greatly but after one of them he sighed poor old billy hawkus told me that the only time i ever heard it before and didn't we have a glorious time that night he'd just put all his money into the yenisi that blew up and took him with it only a year afterward and he gave us a new kind of punch he'd got the hang of when he went east for the boat's carpets twas made of two bottles of brandy one whiskey two rum one gin two sherry and four claret with guava jelly and lemon peel that had been soaking in curacao and honey for a month it looks kind of weak when you think about it but there were only six of us in the party and it went to the spot by the time we got through golly but didn't we make rome howl that night fred shuddered and experimented upon his friend with song he was rewarded by hearing the captain hum an occasional accompaniment but as fred got fairly into a merry irish song about one terry o'ran and uttered the lines in which the poet states that the hero took whisky punch every night for his lunch the captain put such a world of expression into a long-drawn sigh that fred began to feel depressed himself besides songs were not numerous in fred's repertoire and those in which there was no allusion to drinking could be counted on half his fingers then he borrowed the barkeeper's violin and played the airs which had been his favorites in the days of his courtship until crame exclaimed say fred we're not playing church give us something that don't bring all of a fellow's dead friends along with it fred reddened swung his bow viciously and dashed into natchez under the hill an old air which would have delighted offenbach but which will never appear in a collection of classical music ah now that's something like music exclaimed captain crame as fred paused suddenly to repair a broken string i never hear that but i think of wesley treepoke that used to run the quitman went afterward to the rising planet when the quitman's owners put her on a new line as an opposition boat wes and i used to work things so as to make louisville at the same time he going up and i going down and then turn about and we'd always had a glorious night of it with one or two other lively boys that we'd pick up and wes had a fireman that could fiddle off old natchez in a way that would just make a corpse dance until his teeth rattled and that fireman would always be called in just as we got to the place where you can't tell what sort of whiskey tis you're drinkin'. and i tell you twas so heavenly that a fellow could forgive the last boat that beat him on the river or stole a landing from him and such whiskey as wes kept used to go cruisin' round the back country samplin' little lots run out of private stills he'd always find nectar you'd better believe poor old boy the tremens took him off at last he hove his pilot overboard just before he died and put a bullet into pete langston his second clerk they were both trying to hold him you see but they never laid it up against him i wish i knew what became of the whiskey he had on hand when he walked off oh no i don't either what am i thinking about but i do though hanged if i don't fred grew pale he had heard of drunkards growing delirious upon ceasing to drink he had heard of men who in periods of aberration were impelled by the motive of the last act or recollection which strongly impressed them 
what if the captain should suddenly become delirious and try to throw him overboard or shoot him fred determined to get the captain at once upon the guards no into the cabin where there would be no sight of water to suggest anything dreadful and search his room for pistols but the captain objected to being moved into the cabin the boys said the captain alluding to the gamblers are mighty sharp in the eye and like as not they'd see through my little game and then where'd my reputation be speaking of the boys reminds me of harry ganning that cleaned out that rich kentucky planter at bluff one night and then swore off gambling for life and gave a good-bye supper aboard the boat twas just at the time when prince imperial champagne came out and the whole supper was made of that splendid stuff i guess i must have put away four bottles and if i'd known how much he'd ordered i could have carried away a couple more i've always been sorry i didn't fred wondered if there was any subject of conversation which would not suggest liquor to the captain he even brought himself to ask if crame had seen the new methodist church at barton since it had been finished oh yes said the captain i started to walk mosier home one night after we'd punished a couple of bottles of old crow whiskey at our house and he caved in all of a sudden and i laved him out on the steps of that very church till i could get a carriage those were my last two bottles of crow too it's too bad the way the good things of this life paddle off the captain raised himself in his berth sat on the edge thereof stood up stared out of the window and began to pace his room with his head down and his hands behind his back little by little he raised his head drooped his hands flung himself into a chair beat the devil's tattoo on the table sprang up excitedly and exclaimed i'm going back on all the good times i ever had you're only getting ready to try a new kind sam said fred well i'm going back on my friends not on all of them the dead ones would pat you on the back if they got a chance a world without whiskey looks infernally dismal to a fella that isn't half done living it looks first-rate to a fellow that hasn't got any back down in him curse you i wish i made you back down when you first talked temperance to me go ahead then curse your wife don't be afraid you've been doing it ever since you married her crame flew at macdonald's throat the younger man grappled the captain and threw him into his bunk the captain struggled and glared like a tiger fred gasped between the special efforts dictated by self-preservation sam i promise to see you through and i'm going to do it if i have to break your neck the captain made one tremendous effort fred braced one foot against the table put a knee on the captain's breast held both the captain's wrists tightly looked full into the captain's eyes and breathed a small prayer for his own safety for a moment or two perhaps longer the captain strained violently and then relaxed all effort and cried fred you've whipped me nonsense whip yourself exclaimed fred if you're going to stop drinking the captain turned his face to the wall and said nothing but he seemed to be so persistently swallowing something that fred suspected a secreted bottle and moved an investigation so suddenly that the captain had not time in which to wipe his eyes hang it fred said he rather brokenly how can what's babyish in men whip a full-grown steamboat captain 
the same way that it whipped a full-grown woolen mill manager once i suppose old boy said macdonald is that so exclaimed the captain astonishment getting so sudden an advantage over shame that he turned over and looked his companion in the face why how are you fred i feel as if i was just being introduced didn't anybody else help yes said fred a woman but you got a wife too crane fell back on his pillow and sighed if i could only think about her fred but i can't whiskey's the only thing that comes into my mind can't think about her exclaimed fred why are you acquainted with her yet i wonder i'll never forget the evening you were married that was jolly wasn't it said crane i'll bet such sherry was never opened west of the alleghanies before or hang your sherry roared fred it's your wife that i remember you couldn't see her of course for you were standing alongside of her but the rest of us well i wished myself in your place that's all did you though said crane with a smile which seemed rather proud well i guess old major pike did too for he drank to her about twenty times that evening let's see she wore a white moire antique i think they called it and it cost twenty-one dollars a dozen and there was at least one broken bottle in every and i made up my mind she was throwing herself away and marrying a fellow that would be sure to care more for whiskey than he did for her interrupted fred ease off fred ease off now there wasn't any whiskey there i tried to get some of the old twin tulip brand for punch but but the devil happened to be asleep and you got a chance to behave yourself said fred crane looked appealingly fred he said tell me about her yourself i'll take it as a favor why she looked like a lot of lilies and roses said fred except that you couldn't tell where one left off and the other began as she came into the room i felt like getting down on my knees old bailey was telling me a vile story just then but the minute she came in he stopped as if he was shot he wouldn't drink a drop that evening said crane and i puzzled my wits over that for five years she looks so proud of you interrupted fred with some impatience did she asked crane well i guess i was a good-looking fellow in those days i know pike came up to me once with a glass in his hand and said that he ought to drink to me for i was the finest-looking groom he'd ever seen he was so tight though that he couldn't hold his glass steady and though you know i never had a drop of stingy blood in me it did go to my heart to see him spill that gorgeous sherry she looked very proud of you fred repeated but i can't see why for i've never seen her do it since you will though hang you exclaimed the captain get out of here i can think about her now and i don't want anybody else around no rudeness meant you know fred fred macdonald retired quietly taking with him the keys of both doors and feeling more exhausted than he had been on any saturday night since the building of the mill End of story thirty six